they were all wondering, where's Jesus? The people in and around Jerusalem, they were hoping, they were expecting, they were hoping that he would just show his face. All the people who had for three years, they had seen him do a lot of wonderful things. They had heard him say beautiful things. Many of them had seen him raise a guy from the dead named Lazarus. They saw what he did for Mary and Martha and Lazarus and and they were hoping he'd do the same for them. They had a family member who had died and they had another one who was sick and they were hoping he would show up. Where where is Jesus, they were asking. Is he going to show up for me like he showed up for them? The people were asking, the people who had so much going on all around them, and they all just thought, if someone could just lift me out of all of this, where is Jesus? That's what everyone was asking from about a month before Jesus died till about a week before he died. Because he had raised Lazarus from the dead, we heard that last week, but then he was nowhere to be found. He went away. They were all wondering, where is he? Is he going to come or not? And then Jesus rode into town. And then they all saw him. And today, we get to see him too. We get to see Jesus, our king. Listen to these words from God recorded in John chapter 12. Meanwhile, a large crowd of Jews found out that Jesus was there and came. Not only because of him, but they also came to see Lazarus, whom he had raised from the dead. So, the chief priests made plans to kill Lazarus as well. For on account of him, many of the Jews were going over to Jesus and believing in him. The next day, the great crowd that had come for the festival, the Passover festival, heard that Jesus was on his way to Jerusalem. They took palm branches and went out to meet him, shouting, Hosanna! Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Blessed is the King of Israel. Jesus found a donkey, a young donkey, and sat on it, as it is written. Do not be afraid, daughter Zion. See, your king is coming, seated on a donkey's colt. At first, his disciples did not understand all this. Only after Jesus was glorified, did they realize that these things had been written about him and that these things had been done to him. Now the crowd that was with him when he called Lazarus from the tomb and raised him from the dead, that crowd continued to spread the word. Many people, because they had heard that he had performed this sign, went out to meet him. So the Pharisees said to one another, See, this is getting us nowhere. Look, Look how the whole world has gone after him. This is God's word. This is one of the very few accounts of Jesus' life that is recorded in all four Gospels, in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And that's a big deal, because even Christmas is only recorded in two of those books. Mark and John leave it out. So, So this being in all four, it's a big deal. Jesus riding into Jerusalem five days before his death. But John, John, he, he leaves out some of the details that the other biographical writers left out. Um, and that makes sense, too, because John is actually writing this down about 30 years after all the other 
biographies of Jesus, all the other Gospels, Matthew, Mark, and Luke, had been written. He's writing in about 90 to 100 AD. And he leaves out some details because he figures most of the people who are reading what he writes, they've read the other accounts. They know some of the details. So he leaves out things that we might talk about in other years if we look at this story. He leaves out how Jesus knew exactly what was going to happen and demonstrated how he was a king. When he told a couple of his disciples, hey, go to this town. You're going to find a donkey. Here is where it's exactly going to be. Here's how you're going to get it. Here's what the people are going to say to you. Here's how you should respond to them. It's all going to work out. He demonstrated his kingship by knowing exactly what was going to happen in the future. But John doesn't talk about that. John also leaves out the detail of how the Pharisees, who were powerful religious people but hated Jesus, how they yelled at Jesus and said, hey, make your followers be quiet. And Jesus, again, demonstrated his kingship by saying, hey, if they don't open their mouths, the stones... The rocks on the ground are going to cry out in praise to me. John leaves out that detail too. But he does give us two things that none of the other gospel writers give us. He mentions Lazarus at the beginning and the end of this section. Um, Lazarus was the guy that Jesus raised from the dead. We talked about that last week. And at the beginning, John tells us that when people heard Jesus raised him to life, when they saw the sign, they started trusting in Jesus. And John tells us that the Pharisees, they weren't just plotting to kill Jesus. They also started plotting now to kill Lazarus, the guy who had just been raised from the dead four or five weeks earlier. John mentions him at the beginning, and then he mentions John. He mentions Lazarus at the end. John is continually, over and over again, bringing us back to, here's what Jesus did. Here are the signs Jesus performed. But he wasn't just doing them for the sake of healing people. Because the point of John's book, he says, Jesus did a lot of things. But I'm sharing these ones with you. I'm telling you that Jesus did this and this and this so that you will believe that he is exactly who he says he is and that you'll have life in his name forever and ever. Thing number one that John does that no one else does is draws our attention to Lazarus and the sign that Jesus raised him from the dead. And number two, it says at the end that the crowd who had seen Jesus raise Lazarus from the dead, it says they continued to spread the word. Now that's six words. They continued to spread the word. But that's a translation of just one word in the original language. And that one word is the word from which we get our word, martyr. Martyr, meaning someone who is killed for what they believe or what they do. And I got to think that John used that word very specifically. Because he was writing, like I said, in 90 or 100 AD. So the Christians who, had, who, who believed that Jesus was who he says he was, they had seen other Christians get killed for, for six decades now for spreading the word about the things that Jesus had done and, and the things that, that he said he was going to do in the future. So John leaves out details, but he, he draws our attention to Lazarus and he says there were these martyrs, these people who got killed for spreading the word. And then very simply, he says in the middle, Jesus found a young donkey and sat on it. As it is written, do not be afraid 
daughter Zion. See, your king is coming, seated on a donkey's colt. Now that was written by the prophet Zechariah in the first half of the Bible. But John doesn't quote Zechariah exactly. And this is okay to do when you're quoting someone. You can paraphrase. You can say it a little bit differently. Because the original said, Rejoice greatly, daughter Zion. Rejoice greatly. And daughter Zion just means everyone who loves God, in a sense. Zechariah said, Rejoice greatly. But John said, Do not be afraid. See, your king is coming. It's like he was saying, Hey, you Christians at the end of the first century, you who are seeing your friends, your family get killed left and right for believing in Jesus and talking about him, hey, don't be afraid. You first century Christians who, you, you hear everyone else saying, Jesus wasn't God or Jesus wasn't a real person or he wasn't a real human or Jesus didn't really rise from the dead. Hey, you're hearing all that? But don't be afraid. You first century Christians, for that matter, you 21st century Christians who are just dealing with life, don't be afraid. I don't doubt that there's a lot on your minds because there always is, right? In 2021, last year, the year before, there always is. And there's always so much that is out of our control or that is uncertain. And uh, I don't even think I need to use this example anymore, but I'm going to anyways. You know what tomorrow is? Tomorrow is the one-year anniversary of our first-ever virtual-only weekend. And I guarantee uh, that a year ago, we all thought this would be the situation today. Like distanced, masks, all of that. Right? Oh. Oh, you didn't? Oh, you weren't certain about that? Oh, you feel like a lot of things are out of your control and you don't know exactly what's going to happen? Or, oh yeah, that, that's how it is. But, but even the things that are in our control, the things that I can control, I don't do a good job of that. And I don't mean to speak down to you, but neither do you. <laughs> like, the things that we can control, we mess them up. We have regrets. We hurt people. Even the things that we can grasp onto, not even to speak of all the things out of our control are uncertain. And John says, do not be afraid. See, your king is coming, seated on a donkey's colt. And it matters that he said, seated on a donkey's colt. Because Jesus didn't have to ride into Jerusalem. Most people didn't. Most people just walked in like normal people. But Jesus rode in. But he didn't ride in on a horse. He rode in on a donkey. And how do I say this? Like a donkey is, it's a donkey. It's not a horse. It's not a stallion. Like no one ever looked at a donkey and said, oh, how beautiful, how magnificent, how impressive. Like no kid's favorite animal is a donkey. It's a unicorn or a horse or a winged horse, or but not a donkey. He rode in on a donkey. He didn't come in on his high horse. Jesus rode in on a donkey, a beast of burden. Because Jesus was riding into Jerusalem because he's the kind of king who wants to take all of your burdens away. That's what a donkey does. It's not there to be flashy. 
It's just there to get the job done and bear others' burdens. Um, Jesus had been threatened a lot of times. He had predicted his own death a lot of times, and yet here he was, riding straight into the threat, and he knew what was going to happen. And he rode in on a donkey, but not just that. He rode in on a not-yet-fully-grown donkey. And this goes for us, too, but if you're riding into a threat in your life, if you want to get out with your life, you can do two things. You can either fight or flee. But you can't do either of those things on a donkey. It's not strong enough to fight, at least not in the way you want to, and it's not fast enough to flee. But Jesus wasn't riding into Jerusalem that day to fight or to flee. He was riding in on a beast of burden on a donkey to lay down his life for you. And this, the simple act of him riding in, it it is nothing else than a picture of the gospel itself. Because Jesus, the king of the world, was riding into Jerusalem that day because later in the week, he was doing it to be separated from his father, to be abandoned by his father. He was doing it to carry the burden of our guilt, to be crushed by our guilt, so that you and I would never, ever be crushed by our guilt. Jesus rode in on the donkey, the beast of burden, to carry the burden of our guilt all the way to the cross and leave it there so that it would never be a burden that we would have to bear, not for this entire life and not for all eternity. See your king is coming, riding on a donkey. I said it before, I'll say it again. I I don't doubt that there's a lot of things on your mind and I could say that every Sunday. But let me, let me suggest to you, uh, strongly and with a smile, that the more that Jesus, your king, is on your mind, the, more, the less weighed down you will be by all your other burdens. The more Jesus, your king, is on your mind, the less you will feel weighed down by all your other burdens. A little less than a year ago, a Christian artist named J.J. Heller, she released a song called You Already Know. She released it on March 28th. She wrote it two days before, March 26th, March 26th, 2020. Um, For that time, two weeks into what we called quarantine and not knowing what was going to happen in the future, she said this. She sang, You Already Know. Everything I'm scared of, everything I hope, you hold my tomorrow, and all tomorrow holds, you already know. Whatever I'm feeling, whatever is coming, whatever the ending, you're already there. So, think about the future less and see your King Jesus more. Because every moment of the future, he's already there. And he's still the king. And he always will be. And I'm not telling you to bury your head in the sand and just not think about anything. I'm just telling you what John said. Do not be afraid, daughter Zion. See, your king is coming. When you're afraid of of a health issue, see Jesus, the king of life. 
when you're worried about, about poverty or, or inflation or anything financial, see Jesus, your king, in whom you have true everlasting security. When you're worried about a relationship, see King Jesus, with whom you have a perfect relationship that will never, ever be broken. When you can't fall back asleep at 4 a.m. because your mind is racing, see Jesus. When your chest is tight with anxiety about stuff, see King Jesus. See your king. And for the next two weeks, that is what we are going to do. Next Sunday and Good Friday, we are going to look at John 13, 14, 15, 16, 17, 18, and 19. Seven chapters, and that's not even counting Easter, which is John 20. But those seven chapters in John's book, in Jesus' life, the time they take up, it's less than 24 hours. 33 years of Jesus' life, that's a lot. And John chose to use one-third of everything that he wrote down to talk about less than 24 hours of Jesus' life, the last 24 hours before he died. They're big. See Jesus in those chapters. Maybe this means that for the next seven days, you read one of those chapters a day from 13 to 19. And then the next week, you read them all again. Or maybe it means that you read all seven chapters every single day between now and Easter. You can do it in like 30 minutes. But no matter what you do, see, see your king. The king who has all the power and all the authority in all the world. He's the supreme commander of everything. And he chose to use it to carry your burden of guilt all the way to the cross. And he buried your guilt at the cross. And then he turns to you and he says, do not be afraid. And then on Easter, he came out of the grave to prove that he really had carried your burden of guilt all the way and it's gone. And he rose from the dead also to prove that he can and he will carry every single one of your other burdens as well. See your King Jesus. Amen.